following is a message at Living Savior Church in Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. To learn more, go to lsavior.org. The Christmas Gospel, according to St. Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. The word of the Lord. He was the first in a long line of emperors, 70 of them in all. Historians say that he was probably the, the most effective. He established what became known as the Pax Romana, the, the Roman peace that provided security and stability for, for all Roman citizens for centuries. But he was not a good person, not at all. Decades earlier, when he came to power, he did so by bribing his friends and murdering his foes. He accepted the title for himself, Augustus, revered one, and the understanding with that is that he should be regarded as, as deity, as, as, as sort of a god. One of his most ambitious building programs, in the course of one year, he had 81 temples built. Many of those temples where people could come and worship him. He always said that whatever he did was for the good of the Roman Republic. But the fact is, everything he did was to assert absolute ruthless dictatorship that no one could challenge. So here we have this ungodly ruler issuing a decree for a census. But this was not intended to, to benefit his subjects. A census would provide him and his administrators information so that they would not only know where people lived, but what they owned, what they bought, what they sold, and, and then that way the, they could be taxed on what they bought and sold much more efficiently. And, and the tax monies that he would gather after this census would provide money for him to, to build more forts for his army and, and more harbors for his navy, navy and, and provide this, this system of roads where people could do commerce more easily. And, and, and if they could do commerce more easily, then they could gain more income that could be 
text. Ultimately, of course, this was all to the advantage of one person in particular, Caesar Augustus. There's this lowly carpenter from Galilee, from a town called Nazareth. Because the emperor has decreed a census, he has to put down his carpenter tools, his only means for making a living. Because of the emperor has declared a census, he has to leave Nazareth and go to the, the town where his ancestors came from so that he could properly register travel about 90 grueling miles to do that to this place called Bethlehem. But not just that, he's betrothed to a young woman and she must travel this journey with him. And she's pregnant. Not the first trimester, she's actually close to giving birth to the child. So they, they make the journey, Mary and, and Joseph, and they arrive in Bethlehem, weary and grimy from their travels. And they find that every house in Bethlehem is filled because other people have come to register for the census. There's no place for them to stay. And yet, the baby's about to be born. In fact, the baby is born. And the mother is left with one very humble option. She swaddles her baby and lays him down to rest in a feeding trough for livestock. You know what it's like when you walk in on the middle of a conversation and hear just a snippet of it? when the, the snippet you hear is kind of discouraging. That, that's what I think of when, I'm, when I hear or read Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. It's this little snippet of God's conversation with his people, and yet it seems pretty bleak. Truth be told... What lies behind all this may be even more bleak, more troubling. People of, influ of influence operating largely to their own personal advantage. In this world, you and I come to expect that. We're actually surprised when we, when we see the opposite. Ordinary folks humiliated, terribly inconvenienced by circumstances beyond that control. That's standard for the human condition. In telling people about those who have destroyed the image in which he created them, God tells us that human nature is essentially self-seeking, cruel, murderous, willing to take advantage to others, willing to work anything for, for one's own advantage. And it's not just those in 
position of influence who can prove to be wicked. Even the, the ordinary humble folk can't get it right before God, can't do all the things that he, he created us to do or to be or, or to think. The entire human race, as they say, is guilty as sin. Now, I, I could go on and, and, and tell you more about this because like you, I've, I've read the Bible. And unlike you, I've, I've observed things around me. And yet, like you, I don't need to constantly be reminded of the human condition and the way people are and the, and, and the cruelty of the world or the hardship that we bring upon ourselves or others. I've, I've, I've got some of the same things going on in, in my own heart and in my own mind. Besides that, God's biblical conversation with his people tells us more than simply that we're guilty as sin. He tells us facts that lie behind what I just described. Caesar Augustus issues a decree that a tax should be taken of the entire Roman world, a census, and that everyone has to go to their hometown to register, register for it. That's God's plan. You see, God foretold that the only ruler who would bring genuine security to the ends of the earth and who would prove to be the prince of peace for all who believe in his name, God had said, planned, that he had to be born at Bethlehem. So this ungodly ruler with his self-seeking decree all this was so that the king will rule, rule with justice and peace, that, that he'd be born at Bethlehem. That was God's plan. That was his prophecy. Joseph goes up to Bethlehem to register for the census, but he's probably smiling all the way. Because he's been informed that the child to be born to this woman he's betrothed to, the child born to her, is conceived of the Holy Spirit. And she's undoubtedly told him another announcement that she heard that this Holy One is to be the Son of God. That's God's plan. That's God's promise. Joseph's been instructed by an angel of God to name the child Jesus for one reason in particular, because he, Jesus, will save his people from their sin. That's God's plan. That's God's promise. Descended from Father Abraham, through King David, Mary will return to Bethlehem to give birth to this king who's going to bring justice and righteousness 
faithfully in keeping with God's promises. That's his prophecy about the one born to her. That's God's plan. A great light dawning on the human race to bring light to those who have been covered in the darkness of death. That great light, she gives birth to him, her only son, gently swaddles him, places him in a manger, and begins to ponder what God is going to bring about through this child. That's God's word. Whatever matters in this wider world seem to be bleak. Whenever things in your personal life appear to be even worse, you and I will say, God still has a plan. And then we'll investigate deeper than just those snippets of bad information and and bleak news that come into our ears. We'll investigate more deeply into the words, the promises, the prophecies of our God, and we'll realize that God's plan is wise and merciful and, and, and gracious to us sinners and eternal and, and magnificent in its glory. That's what God's full biblical conversation tells us. And that's what the Christmas gospel always announces.